0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome to Reality Honolulu. If this is your first time or, you know, you've been here every Sunday for the last six years, we are grateful to have you a part of our Sunday morning service. Uh, My name is Riz, the pastor here at Reality Honolulu. If I have not yet met you yet, um, come up and introduce yourself after. I'd love to meet you. Or if you think that I forgot your name, you can just totally say it. Like, hey, I don't think you know my name. I won't feel awkward. Um, I want to know you, and I want to remember your name, and so feel free to come up. Uh, Before we get into the Word of God, just have a few announcements for you. So on your tables... If you can each grab this, you can follow along, and this is yours to keep. And so the reason why we print it out, not only because it's fun to have something physical in your hand, and not everything in the world, is digital. This is old school church bulletin a little bit, but with hip QR codes. That's what it is. Um, but this is yours. So please, like, after you see this, stick this in your Bible or your purse or your pocket. Take it home this week when you empty everything when you get home. Put it on the fridge, put it on your mirror, put it on your dashboard in your car. Pray. Pray how God would have you fit into this or rejoice or praise God for it. But again, um, announcements isn't just a filler or something. We want you to be included and invited and aware of what God is doing. And because we want you guys to all be a part of it. So number one is just a huge mahalo for everyone that came out to serve yesterday at our monthly food distribution. Um, Yes, Thank you, Wes, for the for So this is a huge undertaking, and it's amazing, but it's a lot of work. And so we need, like, dozens upon dozens of you, and you show up every single month, um, and it's incredible. And so yesterday, we did that. It was the first Saturday of the month, and it was the largest, like, community outreach we've ever done. We served 1,067 people yesterday. Yeah, outside. Yeah, 1,067 people. Usually, on average, about 800 people, which is still, like, massive undertaking. But yesterday, um, there was over a 1,000 people that we were able to serve and help with food, clothing, and hygiene products. And, again, this is a ministry of our church that we have spearheaded. We've pulled in tons more organizations because... Um, we want to provide, like, holistic care to people, and we need help doing it, and resources, and, and funding, and all that stuff. But we have spearheaded this ministry, and you guys are the backbone of making it happen. And so I just not only want to say thank you for your time that you've dedicated and spent, but also your, like, financial generosity to, like, pour into this ministry, because there's huge, massive, tangible effects um, that every month that we're that we're able to— You know, not only pray over um, what we're doing, but then um, so many people ask, why do you do this? And it starts all these conversations of really to communicate our heart for God and heart for others in that. And so thank you guys. Um, The next one is coming up, the uh, January 6th. So the first Sunday in January is going to be our next food distribution and so mark your calendars again rain or shine regardless of what happens we are there the first saturday of the month and so love for you guys to come out and be a part of that more info on the website again qr code for that uh looking ahead though i mean we are in december people it is crazy that it's already here But uh, Christmas is upon us, and so we want to make sure you're invited, you invite family, friends, co-workers. Uh, This is a family Christmas Eve worship service we're having in this room, and we're doing it at 4.30 p.m. on December 24th. And the reason for that is so that we can spend time worshiping and celebrating the birth of our Savior, but then get done around 6 so that people can still go home and have, you know, Christmas Eve dinner or you open stockings or whatever your tradition is, you can still do that. But we want to just make every effort to uh, encourage you to be here, to be a part of what God is doing, and honestly, to just celebrate the birth of our Savior. And so, you can again scan that QR code, you can use that QR code, it links to like a um, digital Evite. So, you, like, you can totally just text. Like that to anyone that you know. Because a lot of people, if you don't know this, if people do not come to church, there's really two days that they may say yes to you. One is Easter, one is Christmas Eve. Um, that they may say yes to coming and attending church, even if people are like not church people at all. Or maybe would never, you would never ask them normally. They might do that. And so I want to encourage you to invite and um, family, friends, neighbors, all that stuff to that. Um, Also, speaking of, you know, Sundays in this room and all that we do, uh, there's a lot happening on a Sunday morning. Everything from setting up this room to tearing down this room to serving coffee to uh, kids' church to babies to youth group. uh, All kinds of stuff that goes on during Sunday morning. And there's five different areas that are in need specifically of more volunteers, even on a once a month basis, or even if you're like, hey, I don't even know if I can totally commit, but put me on the reserve list. Put me on like someone calls in sick that morning, and maybe I can do it list. We would love to hear from you. And so setup is in need, the hospitality team, like greeting and connect desk, that kind of stuff. Uh, Kids Church is always in need of more um, volunteers to teach and shepherd and care for our keiki. Uh, youth leaders, we need a few more, and so we'd love to hear uh, from you if you have a heart for youth, middle school or high school, and also our prayer team. We want to continue to develop a culture of prayer, um, not only during our service, but At our pre-service prayer meeting and also to continue to develop our prayer team that um, if there's prayer requests that come in during the week that we can share those confidentially and pray for you and come alongside you and take your requests to God on your behalf. And so again, love for you to scan that QR code and there's a ton of different ministries outside of this as well. But uh, again, love for you to prayerfully consider jumping on a part of that team. And I will say this. When I first, as a, just a quick testimony, when I first came to know the Lord and when I started attending a church, because I didn't grow up in church, but when I, when I did, one of the best ways to develop relationships in the church was serving alongside people. And it was actually before church or after church um, that we were setting up the chairs and the tables together and you just talk, talk story and get to know the person. And huge relationships developed that way. So I want to encourage you, if, like, even if you just want to get connected to the life of the church and get to know more people, Service is like a great way to do that. Um, speaking of getting more connected to the life of the church, the last announcement I have on here on the bottom is just a continued plug for our Ohana groups. Um, Ohana groups is, again, this is kind of our midweek backbone of community. We've got a handful of them all over the island that either meet once a month, every other week, or every week. And... Um, they're just a way in which you can break down the large gathering and you can be with people in community. You can share prayer, you know, requests. You can you can share praise reports. Um, this is like so many of you are a part of them. And this is like your first text message when you're moving. When you have a baby. Like this is the people that you lean on when you need things as well. And um, we all need each other. We all need Christian community. And so... Uh, Ohana Groups is one way in which we want to provide that. So again, you can look at the QR code, see what groups are meeting, when and where, and then I'd love for you to be a part. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we are getting into the Word of God this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we are in the book of Philippians, and I'd love for you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, verses 2 through 11 is where we are this morning. For context sake, we'll read, you know, 1 through 11. But if you've been with us, you know for some time now, we have been studying this letter that we have, this historical document we have preserved in our Bibles. It's one of 66 books in the Bible, and it's a letter. And it's a letter from Paul the Apostle to this church that he helped start in the city of Philippi and we've just been spending every sunday going you know verse by verse chapter by chapter looking into the words of paul written to these group of christians and before we read the text i want to share you know why would we would even do this right why would we why would we um, read this book and what is it and what was the purpose of it and for us not only do we believe the bible to be this historic document full of either letters or um, narratives or poems or there's many different genres of literature in the Bible composed of these 66 books but we also believe it to be the actual God-breathed God-inspired words of God that it isn't just like this piece of antiquity that we have which it also is but it's more than that we believe that it is God's word that he wants to speak to us. It's living, it's active, and that he wants to speak to us today. Not only do we want to hear some historical context and what happened then, but as much as it was for them then, it is for us today. And so when we open up the Bible, whether it's on a Sunday morning or in your devotion time, on your Bible app, whatever it is, it will... The, the correct way to view it is not only a historical document, but it's the very words of God that he wants to speak to me. What is God speaking to me through his word? For today, for my life today in 2023 in my context with my certain things that God has me involved in. My job and my friends and my family and my resources. Like, what does God want to say to me? So we spend a good chunk of time on Sunday mornings reading and studying and teaching the Bible because... We believe it's the word of God and it's for us and it's for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training us in righteousness, right? But also, what we do after this 30 minutes that I'm up here, we have a few more songs of musical worship. And the reason why is not just like a bookend to the service because if I just said amen and I had you dismissed, it would feel awkward. That's not why we do it at Reality. We spend three, four songs of worship right after the sermon because it's a time that we want to create. It's a space we want to create to respond to how God spoke to us. Because we believe he does through his word by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so we do that every single Sunday. Like what happens is is I say amen, the lights get turned off, the worship team comes up, and we start singing, and there's carpets up here so we can kneel before the Lord in in postures of surrender. There's communion that you take any time to remember what Jesus did upon the cross. There's people, uh, a prayer team to pray for you because we're responding to the living word of God. And the reason why I want us to remember is that... um, is that if you approach it that way, I think we'll get much more out of it if, if, if we come with ears to hear and to really think, ooh, what does God have for me today? Like, I want it, Lord. Like, speak to me. Soften my heart to receive from you, right? That's such a very different posture than just, you know, listening to a teacher talk and we'll see how his sermon is. Very different, right? And You know, I'm going to be mainly speaking to Christians in this room, but um, man, in the Word of God, right, it's it's all about Jesus. He's our person. He's our everything. And even though we get Paul today, it's all about Jesus. And as cliche or as cheesy as you make it, Christians are to be a Jesus people. (laughs) Like, by nature, we're the people that follow Jesus. And our mission statement as a church is that we're a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in the land. And again, as I read just our verses today and pray, please know that it's a historical document, but also know that it's God's word for us today. So let's receive it in that way. Amen? Amen. Long-winded intro, but there you go. Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Even though our verses are 2 through 11, we'll start with 1. Paul speaking, he says this. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Verse 2. This is his warning. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, uh, those uh, mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. In verse 5, Paul says, this is his accolades, right? I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so jealous that, jealous, that I harshly persecuted the church, and for righteousness I obeyed the law without faults. I once thought these things were valuable But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteousness righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this section of your word that you have ordained and given us this morning to look at and study and hear from. And just as we talked about, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us. That I would be your mouthpiece to communicate these truths. That it would be powerful this morning to speak to us. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you can tell from what I just read, there's a lot here, and we could dig into a lot of it, but for time and context sake, here's what we need to know, right? Specifically, when Paul starts out here, he's laying some context that maybe we, the readers, maybe don't know about, right? Because it's like, A little bit left field that Paul's talking about this stuff because the last two chapters he hasn't. Again, we don't really know what's happening in the city of Philippi at the time. But here's what's happening. And it's not just in Philippi. It's not just then. But it's kind of happening all over. And Paul, he's speaking from a Jewish perspective, you know, we don't know exactly the makeup of the church in Philippi, but mainly it's probably Gentile. It's non-ethnic Jews. This is a Roman colony in modern-day Greece. But again, we don't know exactly. But what, what, what's happening in this context in Philippi, at least enough that Paul is warning them of it, is that in that region at that time, Jews were trying to put extra requirements on Gentiles to be saved. Yes, belief in Jesus is good, but you also need to do all these traditional and cultural activities or actions in order to be saved also. What Paul is saying very strongly here, this is very strong, is that that is not right. That is not right that there's extra requirements to be saved, or there's certain extra things and measures and standards that must be done for Gentiles to be saved into this, what started as a Jewish religion, right? A Jewish Messiah, a rabbi, Jesus was saved. It started in Israel as a Jewish nation, and now the gospel is spreading to Gentile nations. And... Verse 3, when Paul says this, when Paul says, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ has done for us, and we put no confidence in human effort. When he says that, it wasn't just Philippi back then. It wasn't just these other cities. But for the last two millennia, if you were going to do a study on church history, many different denominations— Many different churches and movements of Christianity around the world globally have fallen into this trap. Hey, you can be saved and you can go to church, but it needs to look a certain way. You need to dress a certain way. You maybe need to say a certain thing. You need to go through certain processes, right? I mean, we're really good at adding to the purity of the gospel. Like, this is not hard to see. Any culture, any Christian church at any era, you pick a date, and you're like, ooh, wait, what? What were they asking of Christians? What were they teaching? Like, you name it. It's not one city or one people or one denomination. But this has been an issue to this day that Paul 2,000 years ago was addressing. Right? Because Paul was saying, hey, to, to be saved, well, all you need is to believe, and what was happening at the time is that things were being added to it. Right? In this context, it's very specific to Judaism and circumcision and that act. But Paul is trying to really caution them And for us, how we could read it today, that we need to be cautious when we ever hear that there's more measures and standards in addition to just believing that we need to do in order to be saved. And again, sometimes this is really subtle, and if you grew up in a church, you wouldn't even know, because that's just what you know. But right the older you get, and you look around, you go to different denominations, churches, and you read the Bible and church history, and you're like, whoa, there's a lot been added sometimes right like you see this all the time and again paul is trying to bring this church back to the purity of the gospel and that the gospel is for every tongue tribe and nation even though very much so it started with israel it's spreading to the ends of the earth, rightfully so. And God is bringing this movement of the good news of Jesus to these different, national, different ethnicities, and different people groups. And it's causing quite a stir because these Jews are saying, well, yes, but in order to truly be saved, you got to go through all our Jewish cultural practices also. And Paul says, stop, that's not true. And again, for us to this day in 2023 in Hawaii, like, you're not being told this right now. But again, it's very relatable because in different ways, every people group has over time. Right, so but in context, even though, you know, Philippi, it was a Roman colony in Greece, probably not many Jews there. uh, And so what's happening, though, is they're, they're getting pressured to be Jewish, possibly by practice, even though they're not ethnically Jewish in order to be saved. And again, this was a Jewish sentiment coming from Messianic Jews. Right? Messianic Jews are Jews by ethnicity, but they've came to faith in Jesus as the Messiah. And so the sentiment was, in order to be truly saved, Christian, no God, you can believe, but there was more physical gestures needed to be set apart, a.k.a. circumcision. Because at the time, in that time, in history, that was one of the things that set the Jewish people apart. Additional requirements were being put on these new Gentile, non-ethnic Jews to come to faith. And again, Paul confronts this. Not only here, but in all of his letters, like in a lot of his letters, he's trying to bring the people back to the purity of the gospel. Because again, over the last two millennia, like this burden, this extra yoke of requirements has pressured a lot of the world still to this day. Hey, jump through these seven hoops after you believe in Jesus, and then God's going to accept you. You're like, okay, buddy, wait, hold on. But if you're not careful and you don't know the word of God, you'll fall into that trap. It's happened forever. That's why what Paul is saying, it, it, it's, it's holding so much weight. Because Paul, um, you could call him like the model, perfect Jew. Like Paul is the man when it comes to Judaism. Some would say he's like, at the time, he was like Jewish royalty in some sense. Again, we can't get that because probably most of you, us in here, are not ethnically Jewish and don't know the weight of it. But at the time, right, this is the perfect model Jew saying these things to the people in Philippi, to these new Gentile believers. But it's really meant to confront his own people these own ethnic Jews that are putting added requirements in order to be saved. And if you, if you didn't see it right, uh, he brings up five and six. <laughs> uh, Paul, like I've said this before, I think he struggled probably with a little arrogance and pride. If you read his letters, you're like, okay, Paul, that's the area you might need to concentrate on. But here he's using it, and he says, hey, the reason I'm saying it is because I can speak into it because of this. And he says this, right? He's like, I was circumcised when I was eight days old, which was the perfect day for Jews to be circumcised. He said, if you, you know, if you question my legitimacy, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a real Hebrew, if ever one was, uh, as I was a member of the Pharisees, like the keeper of the Jewish law. He demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so jealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, he said, I obeyed the law without fault. Like I did it all. I was the best of you. And so if you're reading this letter as an ethnic Jew, you not only are like, yeah, he, he has the best of it all, every category. You can't compete with Paul. Every standard you wished for. I mean, Paul was trained by, you know, the best rabbi from from tribe. He was born into it. And when Paul writes this, but then he just said (laughs) what what he's going to say, and what he's just saying, it's really confronting for Jewish believers at the time. But it's insanely important for Gentile believers. And really for gospel importance. And so Paul, throughout his letters, brings this up a lot. He's using his Jewishness to to speak to the Jews at the time. But he's also contending for the gospel to be reached to non-Jews. He's trying to navigate all that's coming from the gospel reaching different types of people. What's a really big deal is that he says all this, and then a moment later, in this penned letter, in verse seven, he says, I once thought all those things were valuable, but now I consider all of them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless. When compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, for Christ's sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. He's like, I was wrong. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. This is crazy. This is crazy for Paul to say in light of his audience and what he just said. What he's saying is what you think is everything and important, it's really not. Bring it to like 21st century. It's like having a LinkedIn profile that like, You went to the best schools. You have the best degrees. You worked at the best companies. You have the best merit. There is no one on the planet that wouldn't hire you. It's like the most impressive LinkedIn account you could ever imagine. (laughs) Being born into it, great at it, the best at it. And it's like saying none of it even matters. Throw it all out the window compared to knowing Jesus. It would be like the best entrepreneurs, the best CEOs, and the most successful people saying... Doesn't matter. None of it does. Missed out. Missed out. You're not even getting it. And that's what Paul is doing in his cultural context. He's saying, I'm the best of the best and I've done it all. And all of you wish you could be me. But guess what? All of it doesn't matter. All that matters is knowing Jesus. And he says, literally, all else is garbage, AKA rubbish for us here in Hawaii. But he's meaning that strongly. It's a strong word that none of it even matters. Paul could be the one that could boast in everything. He had all, none of it was fake. All of it was true. All of it could be tested. But he still knew what was most valuable in life. And he knew it wasn't about him. It was all about what Jesus had done and his finished work upon the cross. And it wasn't about Paul's accolades, but it was about what Christ had done on his behalf. And this is why this is significant in this cultural context, because Paul was the one. He was the primary one. There was others, but he was the primary one that was taking the gospel from Israel into Europe. There was others, obviously, that was Northern Africa and the Middle East, and ultimately we have the gospel today because of people like Paul. But what Paul was doing in this cultural context, he was literally taking this Jewish religion, this good news of this Jewish Messiah, he was taking it to non-Jewish nations, and he was setting the tone and the tenor for the gospel going forth in the whole world, because it was confronting. It was confusing. People were adding requirements to it. And so what Paul was attempting to do was to set, set the culture and tone for the whole Jesus movement. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to cut through people's maybe, maybe religious traditions or maybe yokes, religious yokes that were put on people. And he's trying to get the purity of the gospel out. That truly it's about treasuring Jesus and the Heavenly Father and the kingdom of God above all else. In a cultural context to that day, this letter that we have in front of us like others of his are really significant. They're really significant because they're navigating the purity of the gospel. And here's why this is significant for us here today. is that even though it's hard to sit ourselves in a Jewish lens in that time in the world and to see all the cultural implication and why this is a big deal. That's hard. It does remind us what is truly important. Like, right? You add in all your accolades. So take out like Paul's Jewishness and put your own accolades in. Put your own what you've done well and who you are and what you've accomplished and how successful you are and how good at and the promotion you got and your character and your family and put it, put it all in. Put all up and say. That's awesome. Thank you, God. But in comparison to knowing you, all of those things take a second. Take a back seat. That's why this is significant and confronting, because it's confronting what we truly value. What is is the most important thing to us? Where do we spend our time? Where do we spend our resources? Those things will tell what's most important. Because you've heard that. Like you'll do what's most important in your life. You'll make time for what's most important. You will. Okay, so what is most important? Right, that's why it's significant and confronting because Paul's saying, good job, good job, cool, 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 cool. None of that is better than that. Knowing Jesus. He says, I count all things lost compared to knowing Jesus. So what it does for us today is it should give us guidance and reminders and maybe redirection of what we should truly value and what priorities we should really have. And again, that's very ethereal. That's lofty idea. That's like, we can all say that we love Jesus more than anything else. And we want to honor him and we want to glorify him with more than anything else. But it's another thing to actually practically do it, to walk it out. And, and I, think, I think how we should view this in, in a more practical way, like how does, how does this apply to us? This is a daily thing that we're all confronted with. Because we, even though I know we have tons of responsibilities, whether it's like jobs and schools and family and paying bills and like— just like cleaning our house. And you know, like we have tons of responsibilities that fill up our day. We still have like a thousand choices today, uh, a day, for how we spend our time and decisions we make and, right, how you spend your free time, how you spend your finances. Like, what are your goals? What are your dreams? What are your aspirations? Like all of these Things, on a daily basis, can vie for the top places of our hearts and minds. Like, there's just a ton of even really good things in life that can fight for the best place. Like, that's just true. Like, even blessings can contend and fight for God's place in our life. Absolutely. A lot of times it's family. Good, godly, awesome, sweet, blessing, But if we're not careful, we will easily make that the most important thing, and God will take the back seat. And and that's where it gets tricky, because even blessings can become, you could say, idols in our hearts. Or we treasure them more than anything. And if those were taken away, we could no longer live life. But what Paul is saying is he's saying if we feel that way, then I think we may have a warped perception of what's truly valuable. Because again, Paul, if anyone, like he said, I could boast on everything way more than anyone. My life's good. I have all the credentials. I could always have the job. I can always make the money. Like, this is what he's saying. But he said, you know what? All of that is actually not as important. And if anything, Paul's letter to the Philippians is confronting. And I do think it's one of those, in a loving way, that it should be confronting to us. Because as Jesus' people, remember I said this before, like we are the people of Jesus Again, if you believe, if you, if you, if you, quote unquote, sign up for Christianity and you're like, yeah, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and my life's no longer our own. You know what that means? You signed up to go, Jesus, you are the most important thing. You sit on the, uh, you are the king of my heart. You, You sit on the throne. You are my Lord. Like, it's you. Everything else Even the best things, even the blessings, even the most wonderful things is secondary to knowing you. I say this from a place not of saying, hey, everybody, you got to get this right. I say it from a place of, hey, we all, including myself, this is hard to walk in. Like this is hard to always value Christ above everything in this world. All the time. That's why we're works in progress. That's why we're not alone in this. That's why the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Also the Bible says. Right? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Continuing to be transformed daily into the image of God. We're all works in progress. And hearing a message like this isn't meant to condemn. That's not the point. That's That's not the purpose. But rather... It's to point our eyes and illuminate and redirect our hearts to the best thing, which is Jesus. It's supposed to re-fix our eyes. Because I think a lot of us, we get so caught up with, like, right in front of us. And we're stressed and we're worried and we're busy. That those just become the most important things. And it's, like, times like this on a Sunday morning, we open up the Word of God. We're reminded of what's really important. We're like, oh, yeah. Knowing who Jesus is and what he did and what that means for me is the most important. And he said, if I trust in him, he'll take care of everything else, which he did. Right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto us. This is the words of Jesus on the Mount of Beatitudes to his people. So I want to encourage us today to, however God spoke to you, whatever, however the Holy Spirit spoke to you, To really be mindful of that, and in our time of worship now, it's to respond to God, whether that in prayer, whether that journaling, whether that worshiping, whether it's taking communion. um, To just respond to God in the way he's spoken to you, and take that with you this week. Ah, what am I valuing over Jesus? What things do I care more about than my relationship with God? Like, these these are the questions. It's very practical. And then when you find those things that are contending for the seed of God in our hearts, then that's time to go, okay, God, I want to surrender those things to you. I want you to take them because you're more important. And I want to follow you, and I don't want to follow that thing. Right? That's where the rubber meets the road, and it's a beautiful time of surrender and of giving up and allowing God to lead. And so I want to encourage all of us, including myself, in these next few songs of worship as we end our time together that we would respond to God how he's spoken to us and that he, we would truly make him uh, the most valuable thing and that we would uh, value him above all else. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are... Um, you're good. You are a good, good father. And even um, in times like this, um, you, you, you confront us, you challenge us out of love. Just as a, as a parent um, kind of confronts their child of <clears throat> maybe it's a behavior or an attitude. Like, it's hard. It's hard to confront it's hard to receive, but God, we, we know it's out of love, and we love you. We truly do, Lord. We, we love you, and when all else, when we're, we're in the quietness of our heart, when we pull back from life, when we truly dwell upon what's the highest and the greatest, what's the best, what's the thing of most value, it's you. God, while we were yet sinners, Christ, you died for us. Your love is unconditional for us. Like, you saved us. You died in our place. You forgave our sins. Like, you paid our price so that we wouldn't have to. And the list goes on of why it is that you are so valuable. Why you are the highest and the greatest. Why you are the best. And God, as a people, we want that. We want to daily walk out the truth that you are um, the greatest thing that we could possibly have, possibly follow, and give our life to. You are worthy of laying our life down to follow you. God, you are deserving of it. And so God, we want to do that in worship now. As we take communion, as we worship you, as we sing these songs and spend these next few minutes, we want to worship you for who you are and what you've done. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Church.